the world as we know it. A little blog, podcast, website that is really just a creative outlet for me and probably is just going to continue to change, adapt, shift as things in my own life as a student clarify and I move towards the things that I am called to do, which is today's topic. And it's been a minute since I recorded a topic because things have been happening. And I knew they would, so it's not a surprise. It's not even really that scary, but it is intense. It's definitely intense. It's a lot. And uh, so I've just been really in it. And so today I just wanted to talk a little bit briefly about the process of answering a calling. I'm biased, but I think that this is a really important topic. Maybe not obviously or as a direct thing, but if you are someone who is experiencing more and more of the turmoil of a collapsing earth. Threats of nuclear war, wildfire smoke, all sorts of other shenanigans, um, devastation of war, ecological devastation. That's a heavy backdrop to be trying to have some kind of life. Whatever normal means for you, whatever successful means for you. It's tough and can seem impossible even, but I think, I feel, I believe that a lot of us, I guess I probably wouldn't say everyone has a calling, although that might be true. I don't want to make generalized statements. I know I do it a lot and then I kind of backtrack to add more nuance, but for a lot of people, answering a calling against the backdrop of collapse. It is a badass thing. It's a badass thing requiring enormous courage and commitment. But I also feel that if someone is able to, meaning they have stability in their life, they're generally safe, generally well-fed and sheltered, then it's also an enormous blessing And it's also a privilege to be able to answer a calling. And I know that I owe it to life, to nature, as um, a way to actually do and be something that helps during this unfolding mess. So if you're someone who is feeling hopeless or blocked or despairing as to what can I do, how can I help? Answering a calling, if it's the real deal, (laughs) and I know maybe some people might disagree with this, if it's the real deal, it will be in service to life. It is pro-life, and that means it's actually aligned with nature and with how Earth works, how all animals work, including humans. It's aligned with sustainability, true sustainability, and it's... It's just aligned. It's aligned with life and nature. So I'm going to go ahead and make that claim. 
whether someone agrees or not. That's something I'm I'm experiencing directly from myself. When I say that answering a calling, no matter what it is, if it's it doesn't have to be as a healer or in a healing profession, although it will be helping in some way, like I said, it's supportive of life. It could be working with horses. It could be creating artisanal raviolis for chimpanzee orphans, like building a business of raviolis, (laughs) whatever it is, whatever the calling is, um, it's a process. It's a process. And I really wish, have wished that more people would talk about what that actually means. We say that word, we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And then move on from it. What does that actually entail? What does that actually look like? What is a process? Do we even understand Or do we have these false beliefs or misinformation or myths about what a process actually looks like? And I will say that this process of answering my calling over these last years has required a spiritual practice and discipline. Maybe that's not the case for other people. I don't see how that's possible. Maybe it is. I don't genuinely, I don't know. But when I say spiritual practice and discipline, it definitely isn't and really can't be a lofty, high, mental, complicated, transcendent, metaphysical. There can be aspects of that, but if it's if that's what it is, if that's all it is, then I'd, I don't know how a calling can be answered because in, in my experience and a lot of what I've observed, it's just, when I say spiritual practice, it's very practical. It's very direct. It's very simple and it is essential. Um, but when we talk about process, I think a lot of our education has set up a process, especially our economy. It's kind of an an economic thing to imagine a process as being linear and incremental and steady over time. Like thinking about hair growing a little bit by little bit, month to month. That has not been my experience at all. It is not linear as a process. It doesn't follow a straight line of events. It isn't incremental either. There's there's no quantified amount that occurs according to a schedule or plan. And it isn't an either or thing. It's not a binary on and off. Good, bad. Progress, no progress. It's the both and. And if I had to be super American here at this point, I would say getting okay with both and really letting go of either or was a game changer for me. 
it was like a point in time where I can look back and see a big opening. And I kind of thought for a long time that everyone had read the content about both and as opposed to either or and everyone was cool with it. I I don't think that's true. I really don't think there's been some kind of big social media self-help new age spiritual movement around accepting that nature and life is the both and more so than it is either or or the binary um you gotta get okay with the both and if you are someone who knows or feels or believes or even hopes that you have a calling of some kind this is I guess my unsolicited advice what I have found that to be true is I can be stuck in limbo in pain suffering confused lonely in this process and things are also unfolding progressing opening up falling away and shifting at the same time whenever I would be on social media or wherever talking about this stuff or adjacent topics to the process of answering a calling. It just seemed so linear, so incremental, so either or, and I would fall into deep depression and despair of like, oh God, I'm going to be stuck here for X amount of years. I'm going to be stuck in this limbo with nothing happening. It's hopeless. Then what's the point? Then why should I even do any of this, be any of this? And it would just descend into this spiral of despair. It just isn't like that. Especially when I got my silly butt off of social media and realized that the other most important thing, (laughs) I cannot emphasize this enough, is keeping my eyes on my own paper. There is nothing wrong with looking at someone else's paper and being inspired by what they have going on. The internet is a trash heap, increasingly. I think it was always going to be that way. And there are treasures to be found. Definitely. For sure. A lot of treasure. Treasure is sparkly and shiny. And it's also a really great way to cope. When we see other people's treasures and are inspired by them, it can also be, at the same time, very distracting, a great way to cope, a great way to hope, a great way to get stuck in your head and in your emotions, in your inner world. Keeping my eyes on my own paper has actually meant getting out into life itself and getting out of my head and not being in the thoughts and the information and the learning and the this and the that and the emotions and feelings that come with it. Keeping my eyes on my own paper has meant that it's great that I see other people's treasure, but that has nothing to do with answering my calling. 
other people's treasure has has had nothing to do. Like, another thing I can't emphasize enough, starting off in this process, it really seemed important to pay attention to what other people were doing. As things have progressed, it has become less and less important what other people have going on. Like, really, and it can be disorienting and even surreal to let go of any kind of comparison, any kind of even comparing similarities. As a student, it can be really helpful for a while to see the similarities that other students with, in my case, a calling to heal, share the same, some of the same experiences and, and whatnot. Even that, as helpful as it was, I had to let go of. So, I have also found simplification it has been essential and I would have said five years ago oh I'm a simple person I'm not complicated I don't have a lot I'm not high maintenance I have had to consolidate my life and my spiritual practice so much I'm even now in another process of consolidating meaning in that simplification the really important things need big tending to. Everything else has to kind of fade away. That doesn't mean that things become a failure or I lose those things or I'm not succeeding at those things. Really intentional, clear focus on what are the main themes that keep repeating so clearly as the most important. And then that is the only focus. Other stuff just has to be not as important, if at all. For example, for me, this is just my example about my process. It's dreams. There is a big focus for me on dreams and dreaming. That doesn't just happen. It does. I mean, it's always been a thing since I was in diapers that I can remember. But it doesn't just take care of itself. Like, for example, prioritizing the healing of my circadian rhythm. I feel like this is important for everyone, especially if you're receiving guidance through your dreams. But I had to make it a real focus and even now like people would look at me and think oh my god you are just what are you some kind of brown nose and goody two shoes with like your lifestyle and blah 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 like even me I have been sloppy and trying to cut corners with really healing my circadian rhythm and in that seeing how sick all of us living in an industrial consumer society have become in just in just our circadian rhythm okay so that has meant 
reducing or even eliminating what someone could call toxins of food, of other things that can influence my body, my emotions, my mind. A lot of it is content. That doesn't mean sticking my head in the sand and ignoring reality. Not at all. It just means I have to be very careful what is coming in. And it's not like hypervigilance is the message here. Being overly purist and orthorexic. No. There are phases of time, though, in this process. Remember this nonlinear, non-incremental, living, breathing being, not a computer program. This process is vibrantly alive. In this process, there are phases of time where sensitivity is increased and it becomes more important to really buckle down. There are also phases where it's a little less strict, okay? But having the, f- the flexibility to adapt and not make it an, another addiction or another narrative or another identity, you have to be flexible, really, because there will be phases of time where you're really being that person and other phases where you got to let go of it. So flexibility is key. Something that has helped you or me two years ago might not be a thing anymore for now. It might be a thing again at some point. Being open and flexible to that is really important. So strong likes, strong dislikes, strong stances of I will do this, but I will never do that doesn't have a place in this process of answering a calling. That can be really painful and really humbling with that. And I want to be clear that I'm not sharing this because I want people to learn from my mistakes so that they can also bypass them. I'm not setting myself up as an example of what not to do or how to do things right. Because it doesn't work that way in, in, a, in the process of answering your calling. In fact, believing myself to be an exception who can learn from other people's mistakes and therefore avoid them was a problem that was like a hindrance. The need to be an exception and to be able to outsmart life, to have the tips and the tricks and the hacks and the self-help tools that somehow mean that you're going to escape confusion and pain and failures and blockages. It just, that attachment to that belief or identity made things worse for me. I would also say that working with coaches, with therapists, with self-help, there were good experiences and experiences that were maybe unnecessarily painful. And I guess if I had to compare, which again, it's just not binary. Like there could be a a negative experience where I was also benefiting and learning from it. And it was just an important part of this process or 
there was also really positive things happening too alongside of it. But I would say that over this lifetime I've had of going to therapists and other helpers seeking answers and help, the air quotes worst experiences I've had is when someone had the power or took the lead as being in charge of my life and telling me how it is what I am, what I am not, what I will be or not be. That dynamic of someone being in charge and telling me how it is, it was easier in a way because of conditioning. Conditioning to give away autonomy, but really just self-trust, trusting myself. But I would say that the air quotes best or most truly healing, truly opening my path those experiences have been with people who put the onus back on me as uncomfortable and painful and terrifying as that was, especially when I was desperate for answers, especially when I had urgency and they would put that back on me and onto trusting myself and developing that trust again in myself and being clear and trusting that clarity that like that was truly what was healing uncomfortable challenging but that's where the healing was no one has ever had a definitive answer for me and I want to say a little bit about urgency I have seen discussions around urgency and it can be confusing and it can fall into the either or categories. When we're talking about urgency as it relates to someone's health, well-being, to justice, to, um, to mitigating, to stopping any aspect of collapse. I would say that all of that is valid. Urgency in those things is valid. But I would also say that mostly, no amount of my own urgency has actually changed anything in my answering my calling, in this process of answering my calling. And it hasn't made things move faster or get clearer faster. Honestly, when, when it's the process or path involving elevated ancestors, urgency really tends to not change anything. My ancestors at this point don't even really respond to urgency. That doesn't mean that legitimate emergencies go ignored at all. But if that's like the standard operating procedure, if that's my inner state of being where it's all about urgency, it just doesn't align. It's a mismatch. It's just a mismatch because ancestors don't exist, work from, connect from a state of human 
anxiety and urgency. So again, it's not like it's not valid. It's not like there can't be help. I'm just saying that as, as a standard interstate of being that we're operating from, it just doesn't align. And I found that it doesn't really align with nature, generally speaking. Again, there can be urgent things happening in nature, like the wildfires that need to be tended to. Just as a general whole, urgency isn't really a thing. That's not the foundation. So I'm going to wrap it up. This is not at all comprehensive. If you've listened this far, I hope so, because listening to things for a couple of minutes, I've seen it so many times. I've done it myself um, when we're really not listening and having patience and focus and attention. Good Lord, the misinformation. Good Lord, the projections that result, the triggering that results. Um, But this is not at all comprehensive. I am not at all suggesting that anything that I have said is to be obeyed by anyone else. I'm just really in a process, and this is what I've seen and experienced directly. One more note. There is a vast gulf between knowing and being. I have been a really good knower. I think a lot of us are good with information and with the emotions and feelings that come along with information and learning and knowing. A process of answering a calling, no matter what that calling is, is about being. It is about digesting and integrating whatever it is that you know, which isn't information, it's just going to be wisdom. Very simple wisdom. Being that wisdom is the process. You can use the word embodying digesting, integrating. It is a process of being rather than knowing. All right, that's it for today. Uh, If you listened, good job. Good for you. It's really tough to be paying attention and focused, especially when things become more urgent and scary. And doomers and and other people saying, what's the point of answering a calling or doing this or doing that? We're all going to be dead soon. I have found on this path that that is not the determining factor. That you can be answering a calling, moving towards it until your your dying breath. The last breath of, you know, toxic air in your lungs. That's just kind of how it has worked out in my experience. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye!